Hey everyone, I'm your host and soul sister, Gretchen North. I'm a veteran health and wellness professional turned life coach. Sticky Situation is about getting unstuck so that we can get on living the lives we are meant to live. We'll share stories and advice, hear from experts, and even do some guest coaching to be reminded of living today with more awareness and inspiration, all in the spirit of creating a more fulfilling tomorrow. To get in touch, find me at gonorthcoaching.com. Let's get going. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me again. Today, I'm kind of terrified to talk to you about today's topic, which is all about money, 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 money. Yeah, a subject I am no expert in, but I think that I have an interesting history with money. I thought I would share with you both my journey with money and what I have come to realize. I remember growing up in a pretty low-income household. By the time I was in late elementary school, I started working with my uncle who worked with Harley Davidson's. He worked with the races and with swap meets and different events around the country. I started working with him at fairgrounds only about an hour from my house on a Sunday selling hot dogs, and that morphed into opportunities that I would drive 12 hours and work for several days, $50 a day selling t-shirts for him. Even before I was old enough to officially get a job, I was hired at a pizza place and really loved having a consistent job, having a consistent paycheck, developed friendships, and enjoyed working. And I realized that I really enjoyed also being able to buy my clothes and not have hand-me-downs and buy jewelry and hair accessories and all of the things that were exciting for an eighth and ninth grader at the time. By the time ninth grade rolled around, much to my chagrin, I was enrolled at an all-girls Catholic high school, the same one my mother had graduated from in the first graduating class and my older sister had gone to. My older sister graduated the year before I started high school, so I was wearing her uniform, which was too big for me, and I had to roll the skirt at the waistband so that it would fit, yet it made the length of my skirt too short, which that paired with the fact that I wasn't wearing socks on my first day of school led me to be called out during an assembly going over the rules of high school as what not to wear. I wasn't complaining though. I didn't like the uniform anyway and didn't really see the bother in buying new ones that actually fit me. I only needed to wear it for four years. I was super grateful when my mother's boss at the time gifted me a car, albeit a 1974 Mercury Cougar that the hood was the size of a king-size bed, and it had an AM radio, no air conditioning, and wires that protruded from the steering wheel that when connected would beep the horn. And sometimes the horn would go off if I was simply turning my steering wheel rather than actively connecting the wires to blow my horn. But I was still grateful that I had wheels. I was 
independent and I liked the autonomy until junior year of high school when I transferred schools to a more prestigious school, this time a co-ed Catholic high school. And the first day of school when I rolled up in my hoopty, I realized that we were poor. I think for the first time, I really noticed that comparatively, I had very little. I was a less than. Although we were still wearing uniforms, I could tell by my peers and their jewelry or their shoes, the way they accessorized the uniform, that they had more than I had. Fast forward to college, I maintained several jobs. I would work at different gyms in town. And although I was making money, I wasn't making enough to support what I needed outside of my education and my room and board. And I began to accumulate debt to the tune of about $5,000, which feels incredibly overwhelming for a college student. That mound just seemed insurmountable. And I remember I was a fifth year senior and I received $100 from my great aunt who would always send money for holidays. And it was Easter and I've always been great about sending thank you notes. And I sent her a note and I said, you have no idea what $100 means to a college kid. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I love you. And I sent the letter off. And about a week later, I received a note from my great aunt that said, well, if $100 was so necessary, I wonder what this will get you. And it was a check for $5,000. And I could not believe how many zeros I saw. I picked up the phone and I called her and I asked her if she made a mistake, if she counted the zeros and she just giggled in her warm way and relished in the joy of sharing that gift with me. And boy, what a gift it was. It totally alleviated that debt I had accumulated. Fortunately, I used it wisely and I was able to get out from that mound of anxiety. Well, I ended up staying in school for a couple of more years, getting two master's degrees and I accumulated more debt. And I found myself in that same position of, oh my gosh, I have $5,000 in debt. I'm paying the minimum payment each month. It's never going to go down. I don't know how to get out from underneath of this. And at the same time, I was kind of lost in life. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my career. And a different aunt reached out and said, if you're willing to come to New York for about eight months, my nanny is leaving and I need to fill in until the time that I'm able to leave my job and I'll pay off your debt and I'll also give you some weekly spending money. And again, that just felt like a tremendous 
gift. Like the universe was answering my call of desperation of how am I going to get out from underneath of this? And I would still be making a little bit of money each week. Win-win. I signed up all in. Fantastic. Debt alleviated. Well, fast forward, my fiance and I, we were working, but really not making enough to ever really imagine being able to save for uh, home ownership and other big adult-like responsibilities. And I remember thinking, here I am in debt again, no track of you know, building wealth, contributing to retirement. Um, none of those actions were happening. I think we were in a position to, to purchase our first home, probably even borrowed money to have a down payment. And earning enough money just seemed like a dead end road. I had adopted a mindset of there will always be enough the universe has my back. It always will provide. I had those freak $5,000 gifts that got me out of trouble in the past. Something will come along. This will work itself out. And this continued to be my relationship with money that I would always have just enough to get me by for what I needed at the time. Even if it meant borrowing money for a down payment for the first home we bought, as the years went on, it took me a long time to finally think about contributing part of my paycheck to a retirement, let alone investing money. I had a mindset that I would always be provided for, but that I shouldn't look at the money because it was kind of like bad luck if I really gave it too much attention. In some karmic way, money was not spiritual. And I saw myself as a spiritual being and therefore paying attention to money was surrendering to it versus realizing that it's actually a very productive thing. And more recently, I've learned that money is a currency and that currency is energy and that money is just an energetic exchange. I am giving my gifts of coaching and a client pays for my service. Like that's okay. We need money to survive. But I had this mindset of not wanting to look at money. It somehow felt dirty or ugly or not spiritual for me. And my mindset of I'll always be cared for was really just a mindset of, scarcity of it'll be just enough. It was never a mindset of abundance. I know in many ways, I've not been responsible about money, even as a professional with a great salary. I wasn't actively saving for my children's education or for a nest egg. I will and I continue to put fun things like great family vacations ahead of responsible, air quote, responsible things like saving for college. So as my older son was approaching his freshman year of college, I suddenly had a sense of panic, like, oh my gosh, well, I actually have to look at the finances to see if they're going to work. This was almost embarrassing for me to admit. 
Fortunately, I was in the midst of my life coach training program, and we were having a session all about money. And one of the first exercises we were to do was to exchange coaching sessions with a peer to be coached on money. And the coach that I received sensed a lot of resistance in me and questioned my rationale for not wanting to look at money and challenged me with the thought of, if I want to change my relationship with money, I have to know what the relationship looks like. And something happened in that, and it was only a 25 minute long session, but something clicked inside of me that suddenly made me feel courageous enough to look at our finances to see what I needed to be in a position to spend on my son's tuition to see if we could cover that. And not only did that exercise give me the confidence and momentum to look at that, but it also gave me the courage to look at something that I'm embarrassed to admit I never have looked at, which was our estate planning. My husband and I did not have a will, a power of attorney. We did not have caretakers in place for our sons should something happen to us. And here my son was turning 18. Now there have been some other really serendipitous things regarding money that I believe I've reinforced with my thought processes around having just enough. So for example, when my position from my job was eliminated in 2020, and I no longer had my substantial income, right around the same time, my husband was given the new responsibility of overseeing the COVID response for his large organization. And along with that responsibility came a bump in his salary, which basically took care of what I was no longer bringing in. That good fortune allowed me to pursue the work that I'm currently doing, and I'm still trying to get to my previous salary and beyond that, I'm still feeling a responsibility, but my outlook on money has totally shifted. It's okay to want more than just enough to get by. I read over the course of a couple of years, several books on money. I read Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace Waddles, Losing My Virginity by Richard Branson, You Are a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero, and this idea of looking at money really began to appeal to me. One of the exercises that I came across was budget for everything that you want so that you really know what you need to make in order to begin to attract that in your life and move from a space of just wanting to a space of feeling as if having gratitude for what you do have, appreciating where you are now and not being in the space of desiring. So I did this exercise of, okay, well, how much money would I really need in order to 
have a really nice vacation with my husband every year, have the ability to take my family on a really great vacation every year, have the ability to pay for my son's college tuition, to live comfortably in the home that we own, to buy groceries, to have new outfits every couple of months, to be able to go out. And I came up with this number and speaking of feeling super vulnerable, I will share it because it's right here on my vision board. I came up with, I need to make $362,142 a year. (laughs) And it doesn't even feel greedy or ridiculous because I know that money is a currency and that there is an exponential amount of it. And that by me growing wealth does not mean that I'm taking away from somebody else And it's just an aspirational number. I broke that down again as one of the exercises in a book that I read to what does that equate to an hour? Well, it equated to $188 an hour. And I started thinking I would really love to manifest this amount of money in my life. Wouldn't you know, I received a check for $187.50 in the mail. And I almost passed out. Now, granted, it was an insurance reimbursement check, but it was still so close to that amount that I envisioned that I actually began to believe that it's possible for me to create the salary of my dreams to allow myself to live the life that I want to live. And that feels empowering and it feels good and it feels fun. And I am nowhere near that salary right now. But I have faith that in putting out my gifts and my services to the world, that it will come back to me, maybe not in that exact financial way, but in abundance in other areas nonetheless. And I want to hold that opportunity, that space of possibility for you as well. Let me bring this kind of woo-woo flighty message down back to earth for you and talk to you specifically about some questions that I learned about when thinking about coaching clients around money and really taking an honest look about your feelings about money. When we say things about money, like I don't have any, or I didn't grow up with a lot of money, or we begin to associate who we are with our financial situation, we are affirming that thought. Our ego's job is to align with what it is our mind is telling us. So we choose to believe that story we're telling ourselves about not having enough or not deserving or having money is greedy or ugly. And that we can reframe some of these thoughts. So if you're having a thought like that, what is the opposite thought? What's the opposite of what you're thinking or you're saying about money? When I was coached, I was taught to not avoid it, to not be afraid to look at it. That in order to impact it, I had to know. 
then that snowballed and all of these positive things happened because I was courageous enough to look at my money. When my son went to college, I was so grateful that he ended up qualifying for a number of scholarships. So not only did we have enough to send him, but we received additional funding in scholarship to allow for other areas of our lives to be abundant. We are so entangled with money that it can speak to our securities or how we feel in the world. Some people give money a disproportionate amount of power that defines who they are and what they're capable of. How we treat money can have implications about how we treat ourselves and our lives. So I want you to imagine that you're having a conversation with money. Imagine that money is pulling up a chair, sitting next to you, and it begins to ask you questions. When you dialogue with money, it makes the relationship more transparent. So imagine money asking you, is our relationship security for you? Think about that or come back to that question or write that prompt down and journal for a few minutes on it. Other questions to consider. Money is asking you, do you expect me to make you happy? Money is asking you, are you afraid of me? Imagine money asking, are you proud of our relationship? Do you love me? Do you tell the truth about our relationship? Or do you hide certain things about our relationship from other people? And money asks, is there anything else you'd like to say to me? So before I ever received that very powerful 25-minute coaching session, I responded to each of these question prompts. I had already begun exploring my relationship with money, which may have cracked me open a little bit before that coaching session. I encourage you to take a look at the stories that you tell yourself about money, about deserving, about being worthy of having what you want. And by the way, it's perfectly okay as human beings to want and need material things. So go ahead, explore the relationship, feel deserving of an abundant life. And if you're feeling stuck, I'd love to coach you on your... So that's a wrap. If you have suggestions for future topics or would like to work through a sticky situation of your own, shoot me an old school email at gonorthcoaching at gmail or check out my other offerings at gonorthcoaching.com. If you're listening, chances are we know each other and I'm so grateful for your support. Please help me spread the word by sharing, liking, rating, subscribing. Any and all of the things are so appreciated. See you next time.